All right, we're in Psalm 118. We've just read verse 1 and verse 24. And so the question I asked was this, have you ever become so concerned and so anxious about the future that you forget about the present? I'm sure we've all been there. Now, I don't know about you, but you know, sometimes I find myself uh, trying to live tomorrow or next week or next month or next year instead of just living for today. You notice the lesson sheet, or the lesson, the title of the lesson? Living, how many days? One day, One day at a time. I wonder how much of our time is uh, preoccupied with worrying about uh, the things of tomorrow or, or next week or, or next month instead of, uh, instead of just being thankful for today, okay? Uh, there certainly isn't anything wrong with planning ahead, but I think that we should plan. I heard somebody say this many years ago when I first was, became a Christian, was uh, that we should plan as if the Lord's coming was in the future, but live as if His coming is today. The Bible teaches us to live just one day at a time. And not to brag about tomorrow because uh, we don't know what tomorrow holds. Matter of fact, Proverbs 27 and verse 1 tells us, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. We don't know what's on the horizon. We don't know if we'll even be here tonight. But thank God for today. So we're going to look at our text. And uh, Psalm 118 is uh, what is called a Messianic Psalm. And it deals with the role of Jesus as the Messiah. And it's the most quoted Psalm in the New Testament. David wrote, uh, we know, uh, if you recall when we uh, had the series on Psalm 23, and we mentioned about the Psalms and how many there were, David wrote at least 75 of the 150 psalms, and it's very possible that he is the author of this psalm, Psalm 118. Now, it doesn't tell us there, as some of the other psalms do, and they, they, they usually say a psalm of David, all right. But this psalm is a song inviting Israel to praise God for His goodness and His mercy, His protection, and his deliverance from the surrounding nations, pardon me, and of his great love for them. What a great way to start off this psalm. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, because his mercy endureth forever. Now, let's put this on here. When, when, When he gets to this psalm, David, if he's the author here, he is praising God for that day, that particular day. This is the day, today, that which the Lord hath made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. So, what I want, what I'd like to do this morning, uh, when uh, Pastor asked me to fill in this morning because Al's not here, <clears throat> he wasn't sure if he was going to be back. I was thinking and praying about what we could uh, share this morning. And uh, Al, I believe uh, when I asked him, he has two more uh, lessons on the book of Genesis. 
And then, let's see, that'll be two, three. So then in about three weeks' time, uh, I will begin again the series on James chapter 2. All right, so if you keep that in mind. But uh, uh, I, I want to share this morning three, three things, or th- three important lessons, all right, about living one day at a time. Go the other direction here. The first lesson is this. We need to learn to recognize God's glory. Recognize God's glory. Now we're gonna we want to do that every day when we get up, just begin the day by recognizing God's glory. All right. First of all, in his creation. Notice that he says, This is the day. Today. And um, which the Lord hath made. So here's a question for you. If God hasn't made tomorrow yet, right? And he hasn't made next week uh, or next year, why are we so concerned and worry about the future? If you have your hymn book, turn to uh, number 359. 359. How many of you know this hymn? 359. Is that, is that hymn familiar? 359. Okay. Let's see if we can sing this, all right? And again, this is another reminder. This is the day that the Lord has made. How many of you know this? All right, you help me out, all right? My voice is correct. A little croaky right now, so you help me. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And be glad in it. That the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord hath made. Well, that's a good way to start off each day. Just sing this little chorus. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Now, although this verse, verse 24, um, in its context, all right, it refers to the day of deliverance for which Israel is celebrating. And uh, David is encouraging Israel to celebrate this, this day, all right, the day of deliverance. And, but, but you know what? It can be applied to every day because every day is a precious gift from God. First of all, remember that he makes each day. And uh, we, we learned in Genesis, uh, as Brother Al has been teaching there, that um, God made everything. In the beginning, God created, right? But he made one day at a time. He didn't make all six days, but one day at a time. H- have you ever said something like this? You wake up and you look outside and you say, oh man, what a miserable day this is. 
You don't have to raise your hand because I think everybody's guilty here. All right? Yeah. Oh, what a horrible day. Well, I have. And uh, do you know what we're doing when we say that? When we say something like that, do you know what we're doing? We're setting the day up. What? It, we're setting well. That's one thing I hadn't thought of. That Doug, we're setting that the day up for the rest of the day to be a miserable day. But but what else are we doing? Criticizing what he's done. Very yes, exactly. Yeah, what we are doing is we are complaining about God's creation, and we are not recognizing His glory, right? And I don't know how many times I get up and. If it's raining and miserable and it's been raining for several days and, or, or the wind's been blowing here in Wyoming, uh, boy, what a horrible, terrible day this is. And it's going to be like that all day. You've already said, what'd you say? You're gonna, the day's going to be miserable because you've already programmed. You've already programmed, exactly. Listen to Psalm uh, 19 and verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Okay? Let me see here. Where are we doing? There we go. I usually don't use this little stick. I just do it on the computer there. So, all right. You let me know if we're, if we get off track here. So, remember that he makes each day. Um, another verse, Revelation chapter 4. I know pastors already covered this, but in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11, it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. So, that's the first thing. Recognize God's glory. Remember that He makes every day. Number two, remember that He made you. Contrary to the world's ungodly teaching and its fascination with evolution, we did not evolve from a slime pit or a primate. Right? And we learned, Brother Al covered that very well, I think. <clears throat> I learned. I saw this poem many, many, many years ago when I was in England. Uh, I heard a preacher quote this poem, and it says this. Once I was a pollywog. You know what a pollywog is? Yes. It's, a, it's a tadpole, all right? Once I was a pollywog beginning to begin. And then I was a slimy toad with my tail tucked in. Then I was a monkey up a banyan tree. Now, I am a scientist of high degree. Pollywog, slimy toad, monkey, now a man. Well, glory be to nothing for such a planless plan. What do you think about that, Doug? It is. It's a mindless plan. It is a mindless plan. There is no billions or millions of years of evolutionary process. We learn from Brother Al that the earth is around, how old? 
six, seven thousand years old right now, and that God created the universe in just six days. And He created you and I. Psalm 139, verse 14. Um, I think of this often when I have to go to a doctor and, and uh, see the x-rays and, and he explains what's going on. And Was it Thursday or Friday we went to the podiatrist on Thursday? And uh, the doctor did something. The podiatrist did something that no other doctor has ever done for Melody. He took x-rays of her feet and he showed them to us. And it's absolutely amazing to see all those bones and the joints and uh, what's supposed to be spaces between the joints. Well, hers is bone on bone now. And uh, there's spurs in her feet also. And, uh, but, but I said that to say this, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is this, this verse in Psalm 139.14. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and that my soul knoweth right well. That's a good verse to memorize. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. <clears throat> Have you ever watched videos about the internal body and, and uh, what's going on in there and the blood flowing through the veins? and It's just absolutely mind-boggling. It's amazing how we, God has made us. Psalm 95 and verse 6 says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. You just didn't happen. We didn't just happen. God made us. Psalm 100 verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. In the New Testament, Mark chapter 10, verse 6. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. There is no in-between. There is no other. So, we need to recognize God's glory in His creation. Backwards, isn't it? Yeah. Here we go. Technology is wonderful when it works. <laughs> so we need to learn to recognize God's glory in, first of all, in His creation, but then secondly, in the Lord Jesus Christ's preeminence. Well, what does the word preeminence mean? Anybody? Yeah. It's not a word that we use a lot, but. Uh, no, not quite. No. Preeminence, like before he was, eminence before man got here, before creation, before everything. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18. Colossians 1.18. Listen to what it says. And he is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. 
Preeminence means to have first place. To have first place. And so I want to ask you this. Does Jesus have first place in your life? In my life? How do you begin each day? Do you begin with God's Word? And prayer? Or do you just do like I do sometimes? Rush into the day. You got up late, and boy, you're late for an appointment. You're late for work. And you rush out the door. You haven't even prayed. You haven't read your Bible. You haven't spent time with the Lord Jesus. We're all guilty of that. We get so busy and wrapped up in life, don't we? So, you know what we do? We rush into the day without any thoughts of God. And and we end the day the same way. We come home. We're exhausted. The day's just gone by. We've been busy all day long. We get home and, and all we want to do is just relax. And so what do we do? If we have a television, we turn on the television. Get our mind off of the day. Or we read a book or we do something. And then finally it's time to go to bed. And so we've gone through a whole day. And we've not spent any time with the Lord. He hasn't been preeminent in our lives. He, he hasn't had first place. So, does Jesus have first place concerning your time? My time? Uh, does He have first place concerning our talents? Do we use our talents for the Lord? Uh, does He have first place with our treasures? With what He has blessed us with? Do we put Him first? Do we, uh, do we put Him first in our stewardship? Does He have first place concerning our work? Uh, does He have first place concerning our walk? Uh, does He have first place in our worship? Now let me ask you this. A lot of questions this morning. Uh, on how many days during the week should He have first place? What? All. All. As pastor says, every day that ends in why. Not just on Sunday morning, but also Sunday evening. And also Wednesday evening. And I interject that because we do have Bible studies on those times. And so if Jesus Christ, if we want to give him first place, let's do it every day. Let's be faithful in the matter of, uh, of our worship. You know, some people think that maybe Sunday morning is all they need. How many meals a week do you have? And I'll, you've probably heard this before, but you couldn't survive on one meal a week. And so why is it that the Lord only gets a little bit of our time? I'll leave it there. We praise Him. We are to praise Him every day. All day. Psalm 96 and verse 2 says, Sing unto the Lord. Bless His name. And show forth His salvation from day to day. One day at a time. Alright? So learn to recognize God's glory in His creation and in Christ's preeminence. Put Him first in your life, folks. You'll never regret it. Amen? Amen. Number two... Learn to rejoice for God's glory and His grace. 
Notice what the psalmist said there. We will rejoice, or let us rejoice. And rejoice simply means to be filled with joy, regardless of the circumstances. Pardon me. When you are filled with joy, the joy of the Lord, um, you know what? His joy is our strength, isn't it? Nehemiah 8 and verse 10 says, part of it says, For the joy of the Lord is your strength. (coughs) I read that whenever the king of England (coughs) is in residence, his standard or his flag is flown from the top of Buckingham Palace. Any of you ever been to London? Uh, Jen, you've been to London? Did, did you see Buckingham Palace? Were there any flags flying? Do you remember? Okay, so that meant whenever you were there that at that time it was probably the Queen. Right, right. Oh, that simply meant she wasn't there. So whenever you, if you do go to London and you go to Buckingham Palace and you see the flags up there or, or the standard, it means that the, uh, the sovereign is there on that particular day. Well, someone said, likewise, joy is the flag that is flown from the fortress of our heart when King Jesus is in residence in our lives and others see it. Isn't that good? Joy is the flag that is flown from the fortress of our heart when King Jesus is in residence in our lives and others see it. And do you know what? Others are watching us. Did you know that? Uh, our, our, our family is watching us. Our friends are watching us. And even our foes are watching us. They're watching to see if we... Um, uh, what did I, I think I said the other day at Men's Prayer Breakfast about walk. Um, an old Chinese proverb says, <clears throat> many people walkie-walkie, but no talkie-talkie. <laughs> and people are watching our walk and our talk. So it's important that we put Jesus first in our lives. Okay? Paul said this in Philippians 4 and verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord when you feel like it. Uh, Rejoice in the Lord on good days. No. He said rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice. And Paul reminds us over and over, if you've not read the book of Philippians, it's a book of joy and, and uh, uh, of having the, and rejoicing in the Lord. So I encourage you to read that. So do we rejoice only in good times? Well, we, we do most of the time when things are going well, when everything's okay, when everything's hunky-dory and all that stuff. But what about the bad times? Can we still rejoice when the bad times come? Sure we can. We should. When things aren't going well, can we still rejoice? Sure we can. If, if you are saved today, the Lord Jesus Christ dwells within you in the person of the Holy Spirit. And one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. It's joy. So, we can rejoice, uh, first of all, let me get this thing working. First of all, 
uh, God's, uh, we can rejoice for God's mercy and grace because it's everlasting. Everlasting. Uh, notice what he says in verse 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good because his mercy endureth for how long? Forever. And, and, and if you'll notice, he ends the psalm with the same, the same wording. Psalm, uh, verse 29 says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. He begins this psalm, and he ends this psalm the same way. All right? And, and by the way, by the way, do you, do you know what the difference is uh, between mercy and grace? When we thank God for His mercy and His grace, do you know what the difference is between those two? Mercy and grace are often confused. While the terms have similar meanings, grace and mercy are not the same thing. Mercy is God not punishing us as our sins deserve. And grace is God blessing us despite the fact that we do not deserve it. Does that make sense? All right. Mercy is deliverance from judgment. And grace is extended kindness to the unworthy. I found that on gotquestions.com, by the way. <coughs> Excuse me. Mercy is more kindness than justice requires. It is kindness beyond what can be explained. Excuse me. It is kindness beyond what can be claimed or expected. Grace gives us what we don't deserve. It is God's riches at Christ's expense. It is the favor and love of God. Psalm 59 and verse 16 says, But I will sing of thy power, yea, I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning, for thou hast been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. Start the day off singing. Yeah. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And uh, just sing a song, sing a hymn, sing a chorus. Ask the Lord to put a song in your heart. <clears throat> Pardon me. Psalm 89 verse 1 says, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. And that's what we will do for all eternity. With my mouth I will make known thy faithfulness to all generations. So, we, we can rejoice because uh, for God's mercy and grace because it's everlasting, but also it provided our eternal salvation. His mercy and grace provide, provided our eternal salvation. Look at verse 14. The Lord is my strength and song and has become my salvation. Hmm. Um. Verse 21, I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me, and art become my salvation. You and I, folks, can rejoice that we have been included in God's plan of redemption. It wasn't only for the Jews. It was for us too. It was for us Gentiles. Romans 15 and verse 9, the Apostle Paul says, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy. And certainly we ought to do that. Thank God that He included us. Ephesians 2 and verse 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, 
for his great love wherewith he loved us. And then Ephesians 2 and verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So we need to learn to rejoice for God's mercy and grace every day. It's everlasting, and for all eternity we will praise Him for His mercy and grace. And then it provided our eternal salvation. And then thirdly, it provides our everyday needs. How many of you had breakfast this morning? Nobody? Okay, a few folks did, right? Where did you get that? Where did you get what you ate? Yes. I mean, the farmers, the, you know, everybody involved. There's thousands of people involved in that bowl of cereal. Yes, sir, you're right. And so we can thank God because every day, uh, you know, there are people that woke up this morning and will wake up this morning if they haven't already, who will have absolutely nothing to eat. And we have so much. Don't forget the cow. In the cow, brother. <laughs> right. His mercy and grace provides our everyday needs. How many of you are breathing right now? Yep. Yeah, we all are, aren't we? You ever thank God for, his, for the breath that He lets you breathe? For the air that He lets you breathe? Yeah? How many of you turned on a faucet this morning and you had water? There are millions of people in this world today who have absolutely... They have to travel. I like watching travel programs and, and I watch these documentaries about different countries... In some places, especially like in Africa, people have to walk miles, miles to a local river that's probably polluted to get their daily source of water. And all we have to do is turn on a faucet. Hmm. Psalm 68 verse 19 says, Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits even the God of our salvation. And think of all the benefits that we have each day that God allows us to breathe His air. Do you remember the Lord's model prayer in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 11? Do you remember what He said, what what that says? Give us this... What? Day. Day. Our daily bread. It didn't say give us tomorrow our bread or give us next week our bread, but give us this day, today, our daily bread. And you know what, folks? We can certainly rejoice. We, we can rejoice always. We have so much to rejoice about and so much to thank the Lord for, so much to be thankful for. We, you know what we need? We need an attitude of gratitude. An attitude of gratitude. Being thankful for what we have. So, uh, learn to recognize God's glory. Uh, learn to, recognize, uh, to rejoice for God's mercy and grace. And then thirdly, we need to learn to respond with gladness. To respond with gladness. Notice he says, and be glad in it. This is the day, today, which the Lord hath made. And we will rejoice and be glad in it. Regardless of what 
happens that day. Uh, Brother Jeff, regardless if it's raining or snowing or the wind's blowing, we can be glad for each day that God's grace is sufficient to get us through the day. Amen? So, any of you, and you don't have to respond, but any of you had a bad day this week? Hmm? Yeah. How did you respond? Who did you blame for your bad day? You know, some people have the gall to say, God, it's your fault. This is a bad day. Don't do that. Yeah. Some, you know, some, some, will, some will blame their spouse because they had a bad day or, the, or their pets or the government or somebody they'll blame. Now, we're good at shifting blame, aren't we? We should be glad for each day regardless of the circumstances. Gladness, the word gladness, it means to be happy. And rejoicing is internal and within our hearts. But gladness is outward and it shows on our face. We come to church and first thing we ask people is what? How are you? And boy, you can tell how they are. Just look at their face. You can tell something's not right. Something, something's going on, you know, like our granddaughters. Boy, they come in with a big long mule face and what's wrong? Well, I'm tired. I'm tired. Well, my, my advice is go to bed at night. Right? Go to bed early. Don't tell them I told on them, okay? Yeah. Yeah, I did, right? Yeah. You know, you know what? You will find the word glad or gladness mentioned 41 times in Psalms. 41 times. So I won't refer to all of them this morning. We don't have time, really. But, but, but here are some examples, all right? Psalm 4, verse 7 says, Thou hast put gladness in my heart. Psalm 9 and verse 2 says, I will be glad and rejoice in thee. Psalm 31 verse 7 says, I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy. Psalm 100 verse 2 says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Psalm 122 and verse 1 says, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. You know what, Brother Jeff? I, when I got saved, man, I, I, I wanted to be with God's people. Before I got saved, I didn't want to read the Bible. Um, certainly didn't pray, didn't want to pray. Uh, I, I didn't want to be around Christians. I didn't want to be in church. But when I got saved, I saw that this verse encourages me to be glad. When I was glad when they invited me to come to church, to, be with, to meet with God's people. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go into the house of the Lord. There are people in this world, folks, who cannot meet like you and I do. They don't have the liberty. They don't have the freedom to meet like we do, to sing the praises of God, to hear God's Word preached. And yet, we don't take advantage of it. I'm just saying, 
And you know what, folks? Your heart will be filled with gladness. First of all, when you stay in fellowship with Jesus. When you stay in fellowship with Jesus. Notice what the psalmist said in verse 8 and 9. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. He puts his trust in the Lord. Not in people. Not in princes. Not in politicians or presidents. Who do we put our trust in each day? And you know, as you pray, and as you read God's Word, and as you meet with God's people, and you exercise your faith in God each day, you will keep in fellowship with the Lord. 1 John, the little epistle of 1 John, chapter uh, 1 and verse 3. Listen to what it says. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Stay in fellowship with the Lord Jesus. Put Him first every day in your life. And, uh, and then, also, not only can we learn to respond with gladness in the matter of staying in fellowship with Jesus, but we're to use each day for others. For others. Now, you know, we live in a selfish world, don't we? We really do. It's all about me, myself, and I. Every day, if we begin today and ask the Lord, Lord, who can I be a blessing to today? Lord, how can I help somebody today? Would you give me a divine encounter? Help me to be there for someone today. The psalmist isn't only thinking of himself here, but, but you know what? He included and exhorted Israel to give thanks and rejoice to the Lord. He says, Let's us, let us uh, uh, rejoice. Let us be glad. Because this is the day the Lord has made. So we can use it. We can learn to recognize God's glory. We can learn to rejoice for others' mercy and grace. And we can learn to respond with gladness. And when we do that, we will think of others. Right? He says, we will rejoice. Not just I, I will rejoice, but we will rejoice. So, get your mind off of yourself. Pray for others. Help others. Think of, uh, think of and be concerned for others. Uh, there, there is a hymn, and I'm not going to sing it. I'll just read you the words. It says... Lord, let me live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. Help me in all the work I do to ever be sincere and true. And know that all I do for you must needs be done for others. Let self be crucified and slain and buried deep nor rise again. And may all efforts be in vain. 
unless they be for others. So, when my work on earth is done, and my new work in heaven's begun, may I forget the crown I've won while thinking still of others. And the course says, Yes, others, Lord. Yes, others. Let this my model be. Help me to live for others as Thou didst live for me. And the name of that hymn is Others. Simple. You've heard of um, you've heard of the Salvation Army, and uh, its founder was um, help me here. Who founded the Salvation Army? William. Yeah, William. Oh my goodness, I have a senior moment right now. Nobody, nobody knows. Here here comes our friend, Google, founder of the Salvation Army, William Booth. William Booth. On his tombstone are written, is written, one word. Guess what that word is? Others. He lived for others. Sadly, it's not what it used to be today. We're talking about the Salvation Army. But, He had such a love and compassion for others. That's what is written on his tombstone. Philippians 2, verse 3 through 4 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Again, a reminder that we're to live for others. So, let me, uh, let me close with this poem. And it's entitled, One Day at a Time. One day at a time, with its failures and fears, with its hurts and mistakes, with its weakness and tears, with its portion of pain and its burden of care, one day at a time, we must meet and must bear. One day at a time, to be patient and strong. To be calm under trial and sweet under wrong. Then its toiling shall pass and its sorrows shall cease. I shall darken and die and the night shall bring peace. One day at a time, but the night is so long. And the heart is not brave and the soul is not strong. O thou pitiful Christ, be thou all near all the day. Give courage and patience and strength for the day. Swift cometh his answer, so clear and so sweet. Yea, I will be with thee, thy troubles to meet. I will not forget thee, nor fail thee, nor grieve. I will not forsake thee, I never will leave. Not yesterday's load are we called on to bear, nor tomorrow's uncertain and shadowy care. Why should we look forward or back with dismay. Our needs as our mercies are but for the day. One day at a time, and the day is His day. He hath numbered its hours, though they haste or delay. His grace is sufficient. We walk not alone. As the day 
so the strength that he giveth his own. I believe that the writer of Psalm 118, he learned the importance of living one day at a time. He learned to uh, recognize God's glory. He learned to rejoice for God's mercy and grace. And he learned to respond with gladness. Think of these things when the next time you read Psalm 118, verse 24. So let's learn from his example. May the Lord teach us these lessons on how to live one day at a time. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.